Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 114. It is a beautiful sunny day here in Brooklyn. What is today? I never know. Today's May 8th, May 8th. And my guest today is Valentine Thomas. She joined me via phone, via, well, via WhatsApp on the phone from Hawaii. She is a professional Spear fisherwoman and free diver. She just released a cookbook. You have to speak French because she's French Canadian. Um, although she said she's working on the English version. So if you speak French now, go get it. If you're an English speaker, you need to wait a little bit. But she also uh, does now like public speaking and appearances and things like that. She's really diversified the range of work that she does. And what I think is really cool about her and why I wanted to have her on here today is that she's somebody who was living a much more traditional lifestyle. Um, I believe it was in law and decided to give it up and to make a drastic change and to, you know, not have a stable source of income, but to live a life of adventure around traveling around the world and spearfishing, which I think is like really unique, right? you see a lot of people who think like, oh, I could do like the digital nomad thing, right? And they're uh, bloggers or they want to like represent brands and things like that. I don't think I had ever talked to someone who was like, I'm going to give up my life or my current life to become a free diver and a spearfisher. So I thought that was really compelling and really cool. I also had seen her appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast, which or Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which obviously is a much bigger platform than this one. Um, yeah, and you know we talked about that, and she she mentioned how like that sort of like widened the spotlight that's on her. But I loved the conversation that they had, and so I reached out, and she's just super super cool, and said yes. So she's here today. Um, I hope you go to the show notes for this episode so that you can find the links to her stuff, uh, a way to find the book. Also, if you are a French speaker who wants the cookbook, I'm going to do a giveaway sort of thing through Instagram. So my Instagram is the Voyages of Tim V. And um, if you go there and check out the stories and stuff like that over the next couple of days, this will probably air, I said today's 8th, it'll probably air 9th or the the 10th. So check over the next couple of days. I'll run it recurringly and you'll find a way to get into the running to receive the cookbook. Um, I'll also mention at the outset that I asked her a question in the beginning and I wasn't recording when I asked the question. I got her full answer, but I'll tell you what the question was now, just so you're like, not like, wait, what's going on here? Uh, the question was simply that I know she's done a lot of media and so people have her backstory, but for anyone that's never heard of her, uh, can you talk about what you were doing and how and why you transitioned into a life of free diving and spearfishing? So right after this jump, right after the little interlude music, you're going to hear her jump right into the answer for that question. I'm sorry to all of you guys that I cut that that question out, but here you go. You got it here. All right. Uh, this is not a monetized podcast, but you can support by going to Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. You know the drill, folks, right? You all know what Patreon is. It's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly, you know, as much as, or as little as 50 cents a dollar to as much as, I don't know, unlimited maybe? I don't know if there is a limit. Uh, if you have an unlimited amount of money that you're trying to offload, don't give it to me. Give to more 
give it to people more deserving. But if you have a little bit that you want to help, uh, it keeps the stories coming and the travels going and things like that. So yeah, patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. All right, folks, this is TVTV 114, and this is Valentine Thomas after this jump. Uh, it was completely by coincidence, actually. So I was living in Canada, uh, where I was a lawyer. Then I moved to London, where I worked in finance for about six years. And when I moved to London, I met a group of a group of friends, and they were doing this sport called spearfishing. I've never heard anything about it. By then. I could barely swim. <laughs> so, and then they convinced me that uh, they were all doing a free diving course, and they convinced me to join. And I was like, ah, oh, no, not really. Like, that's just, no, no. <laughs> Doesn't sound fun. I tried scuba diving, didn't really like it. And then I went anyway, and I actually really liked it. Um, me and the ocean had a very um, hateful relationship, I'm going to say, for a few years. <laughs> Uh, when I was 14, I almost drowned in the south of France. I passed out in the water. Uh, so when I was when I was a kid, and the lifeguard had to come and save me. So I did not swim in the ocean for over 10 years after that. Wow. So it was definitely not um, it was definitely not my destiny to do this this um, to do this new job. But I always love food, so I always love cooking, and I'm, I'm a gigantic foodie. So when I started my freediving class, the next step was to go spearfishing. And then that day when I caught my first fish, that is when everything changed for me. I was like, wow. So I just got a fresh fish. I got it in a sustainable way. I didn't damage anything along the way. And I'm having it grilled on the beach with my friends. This is freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, this is this is really cool. Like, I want to do that more often. So I started switching my holidays, and I was not going to Ibiza or Mykonos anymore. I was going fishing. I was going camping in very remote areas, and I was just, like, catching my own food, and I was really, really liking it. It was a really big contract with my life in London. When I was in London, I was working in a hedge fund. I had... I had a brand new Mercedes, I had a super nice apartment, and then I was eating at very good restaurants, but then I was always drowned back to that lifestyle. This is what, it was rep- representing me way more than what I was doing. And then every time I was coming back to London and to work, I was just kind of making some introspections. I was like, like, why am I even doing this? Why am I like... Why am I spending $2,000 in a bag for watch and press people I don't like? Like, no, like, what's that? And then at some point, I went to, I got hired to do a documentary in South Africa. It was super shady paid. I was paid like $200 from like wow. 10 days of filming. It was super bad. But then I came back and I was like, wait a minute. I can't be paid for that. 
So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Screw this shit. Oops, sorry. Oh, you can swear. <laughs> Screw this job. <laughs> Screw this computer screen when I'm what? I'm allowed to have what? Three, three holidays, three weeks of holidays a year to do what I love when I'm being miserable the rest yeah. of the year. So I was in, I decided to go all in not knowing that, oh, it's going to be an extraordinary life and I'm going to have like, like a bunch of money. No, I, I knew the money would be really hard to get. I just, I just lived it. I earned $200 in freaking 10 days. That's pretty bad. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I sold everything, grabbed my dogs and I moved to Florida. Whoa. And my first two years were a little bit, um, complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. Like I was finding, I was accepting any contract that was coming my way. That was like, classes or, or bathing suit or anything. I was just take it. I, I was still struggling to, to make me a meet ends and means. And I, I had to sleep in my car a few times. I slept in my friend's uh, mom's garage for a bit, but I had this feeling of freedom that I've never felt in my life. Like my parents are very into education and things like that. So I was, High school, straight university, straight to a master's, and straight back to university in the UK. But then all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I may not have money, but I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. <laughs> and this was so awesome. Yeah. And know- then after withdrawing myself from all of that and all of that society pressure, I guess, I was like, okay, what do I like? What do I want to do with my life? Because, of course, I'm not, I'm not going to live in my car for the rest of my freaking days. Like, this is not, this is not happening. So what I'm going to do is, okay, I'm, I'm, I sat down and I was like, figure out what you want. And I realized that having ambitions and wanting to do big and great things was really, really a strong value of mine. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? You know, roll up your sleeves and you're going to start working hard in your business and you're going to make something, you're going to make something out of it. So after two years of hard work, now it's starting to pay off. I make enough money to to live a comfortable life. Yeah, so I'm going to get into some of the things that uh, you're doing to make money because uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff. But, yes. uh, you know, you sort of... Uh, cracked the the life code here and that there's a lot of people who would love to monetize like a life of adventure, a life of travel. Uh, you know, I know like I don't quite make money off of travel and things like that, but I know like that it also can be, uh, there's a lot of fun to it, but it's also work and it can be difficult and it can be lonely and there can be all sorts of other stuff. But I think the majority of people, especially in 2019 would rather take this type of a life than a life in a cubicle. Uh, you have, you know, a, a popular Instagram page, I think is fair to say, uh, I listened to the Rogan interview and, and he mentioned like, that's how he first discovered you. It, w- did you strategize that at all? Or was, was that luck? Like, did you think this is a way to market myself? I would Joe Rogan. I can't harass him. <laughs> well, well, I mean, uh, before Rogan, just like, just the Instagram page, like, did, do you have like a social media strategy or were you just like, did that just sort of come to be? I mean, it's, it's, okay, it, it would be, it would be ridiculous of me to, to, to not mention that and, and just ignore it. Of course, when you're a girl, it helps. It's Instagram, sadly, Instagram is a game. Yeah. It's a game, but it's also a place that you really have to be yourself. You really have to like, it's, 
when I started making jokes and making fun of myself and things like that, I realized that people appreciate that way more. But it's Instagram is. So I have a friend that works in that field, and I had a chat with her, and she was like, "You have to post twice a day, and then you have to to put the hashtags." And I followed the algorithm, and I'm like, "Whoa, that sounds like a full time job." Like I don't have two photos. My days are not interesting enough, so I have to put two five two photos a day. That that's a lot of. So it's Instagram is a lot of work, and it's it's, but it's just worth it. The first question when I work with any brands whatsoever is, "How many followers do you have?" Yeah, you do something quite interesting though, in that you interact with people pretty frequently. I've seen like you know people can be pretty shitty on social media, um, but despite that, the the people who follow you, you engage in dialogue with them a lot. Yes, I mean I I do believe in the fact that if some people take the time to write me a question, I don't see why I would not take the time not to answer. It's getting harder and harder. <laughs> Because it's, I, I have more people, so it takes a lot of time of my day, and I'm, I'm really trying to, to take the time to sit down and, and do that. If you have a question about how to start, if you have a question about, like, what to do next, I, I'm, I'm happily going to help you. I had nobody to help me. I had nobody, nobody to guide me when I did it. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's the right thing to do to do that for the people. Yeah. But when I say any stupid things, I, I, I tend not to respond. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a good strategy, I guess. Uh, I saw recently that you had done sort of like an open invite to like a barbecue or like a taco party or something. Can can you tell me about that? <laughs> yes. Uh, so it was, I just had the idea, the fact that um, even though a lot of people live by the water, it's not everybody that has a chance to go fishing or going diving or don't have access to a boat. And then I decided to put something in Instagram. At first, I was like, you know what? I went fishing today. I have a few free fish. If you're having a tough month, it's just pass on my house. I'll give you a few pieces. And a few people responded, and it was like, oh, like, oh, we should do dinner and stuff like that. So I thought, oh, this is a really good idea. So, like, if you're around my house, I was really lucky that my roommate was on board with it. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe about, like, I can't remember how many people showed up, but I think about 40 people showed up. Oh, that's awesome. It was so nice. Everybody brought, like, wine, or I got a box of chocolates. I, like, everybody went and brought, like, little gifts and little contribution. It was it was amazing. And even though I thought people were warning me, oh, you're going to have a bunch of weirdos, and it's going to be a bunch of creeps. And I was like, no, everybody was super nice. We got incredible discussion the entire evening, and it was it was just, like, I, I cannot wait to do it again. It was so much fun. Yeah, I saw that, uh, like, um, Gary V sent you wines for it. Is that true? Yes, he did. Yeah, that's wild. He did. I don't, yeah, he, he's, he's really good at Instagram. He, he's reaching out to a lot of influencers. I hate that word, but he, he, he sends wine to a bunch of people, and his secretary reached out to me and told me that she wanted to send me wine for the event. So I was like, that's cool. Yeah, hell yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> How much did life change for you or like your spotlight grow after you were on Rogan? Because that's like honestly one of the biggest media platforms in the world at this point. I got almost 100,000 in a week. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty, especially that. So I had I had a drink with him last week, actually. And I was, we, we, we got to talk and I was telling him, 
we didn't seem too sure to have you in at podcast. And I was like, like, what, 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 what was the issue? And he was explaining me that. So he didn't say that directly, but I, I understood that he, he taught that, like, which a lot of people think that when you're like a management guy, that I'm a bimbo in a bathing suit and what I'm doing is I'm showing my ass to get followers and things like that. And it's like, and then he said, when I got you in the podcast and you got to tell your story, like I was, I, I was really happy that, that, that I invited you and that you, you got to, I got to, to get to know you because I, well, he totally liked it, but it, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was about going against, you know, what you think people are. And it was good. I'm super glad you did that. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you think that most people expect, uh, you know, honestly, prior to listening to that, like I really probably like a lot of people didn't know much about spearfishing. <laughs> did you think that most people expect that to be like a male dominated activity? It is a male dominated activity. Um, I don't, I mean, women are really good at it. I know girls that picked it up super quickly and it's, but you have to be in the water. There's sharks, water's murky. So, so you need to push through your fear, your fears quite a bit. And then there's a part where you have to clean the fish and all of that. So I guess that's why it doesn't appeal to that many women. And mm. it's also why I think I really like to put my feminine side very strongly in my marketing because for two reasons. First of all, it's not because you're a girl and you like to wear dresses that you cannot fight sharks underwater to get food. Like you can, you can be both at the same time. If you can, I can go camping with nothing for two weeks in a bush and then I can come back and I can go to New York and go party and I can wear heels and I can, you know, I can also look nice. You don't have to be one or the other and you can embrace both sides, both sides of your personality. And also caring about the environment. I'm trying to change the idea of you have to have hair under your armpits and wear a poncho and never wash your hair. It's, you can also, you know, be like, (laughs) you can be an everyday normal working person and care about the environment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really cool. Uh, also, like one thing that's, I think people don't quite understand all the time. So, like, I'll give an anecdote from my own life. Like, um, so I did a trip up into like a mountain province in the Philippines, and it was amazing. And like the pictures look amazing. Like I went, I got like a traditional tattoo from the oldest living Kalinga tattoo artist, and it's like, yeah, uh, it looks amazing. And people see the pictures and they go, wow, like it looks like you're having such a great time. And like, yeah, but like. You saw one second of one day of my life. You didn't see the bus ride where I, like, after I ate balut and I had, uh, like, traveler's diarrhea with no toilet on the bus, like, holding my guts in <laughs> and then, like, trekking up to the village in the rain, falling in the mud, getting bloodied up. Like, you don't see all, like, the unglamorous stuff, too. So, like, yeah, of course you're going to be, like, I heard you talk about this on Rogan, too, but, like, um, yeah, like, you're in a bathing suit. You're diving. Like, that's what it's going to look like. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, I think with with haters and stuff like that, and then I'll, I'll leave you know that sort of topic alone because uh, people who are haters shouldn't get attention. But I think most people just want to be doing something different. Like I said at, at the outset, so if people see somebody who sort of has the success that uh, or is living the type of lifestyle that they want to be living, but don't or can't or think they can't, there's 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 jealousy, so they throw hate at it. But um, yeah, I, I like what you said about sort of. Uh, smashing like the conventions and stereotypes about it. That's really cool. 
Yes, I mean, I've, I've heard it all, you know. It's like, oh, you must have a sugar daddy. You must be a trust fund baby. And I'm like, no, I'm broke. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm broke and I, and I work hard. It's just, there's no other secret to it. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about, like, the, the travel aspect for a second. Um, you know, if you're doing this and, and you're not, let's say you don't have a specific, like, business proposition, um, like, are you staying with local people? Are you, like, linking up with people through the internet? Like, are you, like, doing hostels and, like, huffing it? Like, how, how, how do you live day to day? Because I remember you said that, uh, and maybe it's different now, but back when you did that interview, you said, like, you didn't have, like, a stable home or anything. No, I mean, I do. So, like, right now, I'm visiting my boyfriend who lives in Hawaii. Um, I'm here for two weeks, and I'm behind my computer for 10 hours a day. Mm. And I'm working on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so, I have a recycled bathing suit line coming up. I have to work on that a lot. Um, right now, I'm working in a petition in Canada, so they're forced to... Um, they forced to identify where the fish was caught and how it was caught because that's, I think in the U.S. you have to do it, but not in Canada yet. Mm. So I'm working on that. I'm working on my website. I'm working on my blog. I'm working on, like, it's the list of things I have to do is, like, four pages long. I could spend the next month in front of my computer and not run out of work. There's always something to do. Yeah. To grow your business. There's always, always something to do. You you mentioned the recycled clothing line. I had here in my notes about like uh, environmental issues because this is something that people hear about, but they don't spend a significant amount of time like in water, right? Um, yeah. So from my own travels, like especially throughout Southeast Asia, like there's two things that uh, I wrote down in my notes here that come to mind. And the first is like the plastics, and then just like general rubbish, garbage issue. Um, having spent so much time in the water, like how prevalent is this an issue in terms of like what you've seen? Have you gone diving and like seen garbage patches and things like that? Oh, it's, I, I see them every day. It's the worst ones are cigarette butts, plastic yeah. bag and styrofoam stuff floating. Oh, and balloon freaking balloon people, Balloons. your kids don't need balloon. It lasts one day. Find something else that makes you happy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just... Sorry. Saw, no, no. <laughs> I just saw this article that um, they did like air quality testing up on Mount Everest and found like plastic particles in the air all the way up on Everest, which is wild. It's crazy. It's, there's literally not a day that I go diving when I, we don't see balloons floating in the ocean. They really? Everywhere. Whoa. And it's... It's, it's actually crazy. <laughs> Well, yeah, so the second part of that, too, is, um, is something I've discussed before with, like, environmentalists on this podcast is uh, overfishing. And yes. obviously, like, what, what you do is more sustainable for the individual. Um, but, like, through your work and through your experience, like, how, how prevalent is this? So the problem with overfishing and... And even a me consumption is that nobody wants to talk about it. And it offends people. And it's so basically, so we have four groups of people in the world right now. You have the vegan, 
you have the people who uh, eat fish and meat and they like to sort fish sustainably. Then you have the people who eat meat and fish and don't give a crap about where it's from. And you have the hunter and, and fisherman. Mm. For some reason, the two people fighting are the vegans and the hunters and fishermen, which doesn't make sense. When the problem is clearly the biggest group of all and is the people who eat meat and fish and don't care about where it's from. This is a problem group right here. But it became so taboo these days to talk about fishing and meat sourcing. A lot of companies still refuse to work with me because I kill something. Yeah. They scare the people like me crazy. It's, so there's a, a girl that does the same thing uh, as me, and she works. Um, Pentagonia posted a photo of her with a new bathing suit line, and she's holding a fish. And the comments were like, this is terrible. There's no way you can do this. Like, I dare you using a dead fish to promote your brand. And it's like, no, no this is, no, it's just not about this. It's about making the right choices. And if we don't talk about sustainable food sourcing, this is what allows the big company to do what the hell they want. Mm. Because right now, this is what's happening. Nobody wants to talk about it. I want to eat fish. I want to eat salmon, but I don't want to know where it, where, where it was. I want to eat a burger, but I don't want to know how the cow was killed. Well, then you're the problem. Yeah, it's an interesting, like, I don't know, maybe this is too broad and big of a question just for you. You're one person, but it, what is the solution? Is the solution just education then? The solution is reduced consumption 100%. Mm. And when it comes to fish, it's really varying your diet. So everybody eats fish, uh, eats salmon, cod, sea bass. I never eat any of those fish. Never. It's. When I go fishing, first of all, they're not the best fish by far. There's a million other fish out there. You know, if you go to if you go to a fishmonger, ask for different things. Try different things. It's, salmon should be almost red. Yeah. It shouldn't be orange. And, but farm salmon, so farming, another problem. Um, farming, farming can be really good if it's fish that are not carnivores. Salmon is a carnivore fish, which means that if you want to feed hundreds of thousands of salmon that are in agriculture, you're going to need to overfish the ocean anyways to catch them food. Mm. And then, of course, the problems of chemicals, of bad living conditions, of diseases, of contamination. There's a bunch of, of other issues in that. But it's trout, very good farm. That's fantastic. You can go for it. Really? But it's it's. Seafood and fish is the most traded commodity in the world. More than sugar, more than coffee. It's fish and seafood. It's been caught in Tahiti, then it was filleted in China, then it was canned in Thailand, then it was educated in the U.S., and then it was sold, and nobody knows where it's from. In the meantime, they seafood fraud. They sell you fish, and it's not what it is. Then they... We all saw disgusting documentaries where in Asia they inject stuff with a bunch of chemicals. That's another problem. Yeah. Overfishing, poachers, illegal. Illegal vessels are not just China and Japan. It's the U.S. It's Canada. It's Europe. It's all of us. I've seen those videos where, and I don't know what it's injected with, but shrimp are injected with this, like clear liquid to plump it up. It's wild. Don't, don't eat shrimp from Asia. Just don't. Just don't. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, well, I have many times. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was cool too. Like I was, I, I had that thought when I saw one of your photos that, um, cause like you were cooking and, and eating it right on the beach. It's like, oh yeah, like there's zero carbon footprint here. And I can like, I can recall when I was, when I was still working in education and, uh, I was basically like tasked with like being in charge of a school. And so what I started doing, I know this is awful, but I started like having my groceries delivered uh, because I was so busy and literally like it, it, the place was like down the block, but it would come to me like double bagged with like freezer packs that are disposable that you just throw out. And I'm like, there's, and you know, within the bags, each thing is individually wrapped in plastic. And I'm like, just to get this food to me, like there's so much excess waste. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, not everyone can free dive, uh, but if there are ways that people can cut out some of that packaging waste, I would imagine that would Everybody make a, a pretty big impact. Yeah. Everybody can free dive. Oh, you think so? <laughs> Everybody can free it. Yeah. Unless you have a special condition where your ears are really, really, really bad, everybody can free dive. Do you also ever, I don't know if the word is like foraging, but do you go uh, for like uh, like urchins and things like that and mussels and things like that that you can sort of just pick up? Yeah, I do. Um, it's oysters, mussels, they, they're super, super sustainable product. Like they're super good options to have at home. Um, I, I, I do that sometimes. I also do, I trade a lot. Oh, tell me about that. So if I go fishing and one of my friends went scalloping, then we're going to be, okay, I'm going to exchange you two snappers for a bag of, of scallops. I also do that with vegetables. Whoa. So it's, I, I love to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, uh, like what are you complementing your diet with, like in terms of seafood? Like, do you also eat other meat? based protein sources or do you stick mostly to the ocean? I do. I, I, I buy, uh, so I work with, uh, with a few companies that work with only with family farm and they're certified, um, ethical and they treat animal wells and all of that. So it's, I, I work, there's a lot of website right now available when you can just, you can just reach out to, to, to those companies and you buy packages and they ship it to your house and it's, it's really super simple. Oh. But the problem is, same with fish, is the cost. Yeah. It's really hard to tell a society that has been used for so many years. I'm not going to tell seasoned mother of five, single mother with one job and she struggles to start buying bio chicken for $25 when she can have one for three. Right. It's really hard. But it's it's somebody pays the price at the end. It's either uh, workers that works in terrible conditions that are super underpaid, uh, and fishing is often people from the Philippines that go eighteen months at a time on shipping boats, and they pay a ridiculous amount of money. Their passport has been taken out, and sometimes they're not even getting paid. It's a terrible industry, and. They overfish, they overfish, they overfish, they overfish. So it's either it's workers or it's the planet that's paying for your cheap price. Somebody's paying for it. Yeah. It may not be you, but somebody is paying for that. 
if you're in an, uh, another country, let's say, right? So, like, I've seen, like, it's, it's amazing your travels, and I want to get into something in a minute, but, like, you've been all over Africa. Let's say, uh, like, you mentioned Egypt, right? Like, let's say you're in Egypt. Do you have to be uh, sort of, like, registered and licensed if you want to go free diving and catch fish? Depends where. In Egypt, it's illegal, most of the place. Oh, whoa. Um, but... I can in the states you need a license. In Canada you need a license. Um, in Europe I don't think you need one. In Australia you don't need one. In New Caledonia you don't need one. Wow. Um, in Africa you definitely don't need one. Yeah. I saw um, this documentary. It's like it's a pretty short documentary on Netflix. Uh, I think it's pronounced Jago. It's J A G O, and it's about like uh, this older person who's like an octogenarian and like there's some younger kids too. And they have those houses that are sort of like up on wooden stilts on the water and they free dive and they have these sort of like makeshift goggle masks that they wear, but they just free dive and they go down. And like I said, like, I don't know if it's urchins per se, but they're grabbing different like crustaceans and mollusks and stuff like that. And then they're also, uh, spearfishing have you spent any times in communities that like this is their livelihood and like their day to day activity? Yes, I have several times. Uh, not with those people, sadly. I, I, I really, really, really want to go see that. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, they realized that they had a, the, how they were holding their breath longer than, than us because their spleen is bigger. Whoa. Yeah, like way bigger. Just because they've average. been doing it so long and like their genetics have changed? Yeah, the genetics changed. Whoa. And explain what it does is when when it's squeezed by pressure, it releases uh, red cells, and oh. then that way it makes it's just oxygen at your your body for longer. Wow! Uh, so now I've been I've been dreaming and sleep augmentation since then, but I didn't find any plastic surgeon that's willing to do that for me yet. <laughs> oh man! Uh, like so, you know, I, favorites are hard. I kind of hate when people ask me like travel favorites. Um, but like for you, like where in the world are, are some of the best places to dive for fish? Um, so I had several locations that I like for different reasons. Um, I really like the South Pacific. It's amazing. Super fishy. Extremely sharky. Extremely sharky. Man. Um, you know, I moved to Tampa because there was so many fish, and I, I I like being there. So it's when it comes to travel and life experience, Africa was just definitely all of it, like pretty much all of it. It's I realized when I was there that it's we think that we know everything as Westerners, and we think we're more developed, but we're so much smarter. Then every time I go to Africa, I'm like, ugh, like we're such a bunch of assholes after all. Like, <laughs> we're not nice people. And it, you give that a fish, you get a two fish. And with the second one, he's going to share it. He's going to keep it for the following day. It's like, it's, it's, they have a community feeling. And community feeling in a life is one of the most important things to feel happy. Humans feel, need to feel that, 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 that. Yeah, that feeling of community in Africa, it's really there. Yeah, my favorite part too, like when I'm traveling 
honestly, it's like either sitting down to have like whatever the local beer is with people or like sitting down to have a meal. Um, and so, you know, I, again, I have no experience with spearfishers, but I would imagine if I'm in a foreign country on the beach and somebody like brings a bunch of fish and is like, Hey, we're all going to share this together. And everyone starts bringing their own thing. Like that's an amazing way to get to like know people and to break bread with them. Yes, definitely. And this is what, this is kind of what my cookbook was about. It's just, just in French, but so everything is below eight ingredients. Everything is about sharing. Everything is about eating with your fingers. It, part of it is downing a beer and then cutting it in half and then putting melted butter in it and putting a grill so you can dip directly into it. It's all about sitting around a campfire and talking and it's, it's, Eating is the thing that attach all humans together. We all eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I mean, there's other things that we all do, but I don't think anybody wants to bond over that. <laughs> yeah. I, tell me about the cookbook. Like, what was like sort of the, well, I guess, how did that come about? And like, do you have plans to have that translated in other languages? Yes. I'm working on it to have it in English. Uh, ideally, as few as possible, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of work. Has it been doing well? That's what, uh, in Canada, yes. I'm very, very, very happy about how it turned out in Canada. Oh, that's amazing. It was really different than, than different, all the cookbooks that were already out there, so it's good. I wanted, I wanted to do something different that people would enjoy. And it was accessible to everything. Is it specifically for people who are sort of forging or is it like also like comparable to people who can go buy fishing? No, it's, it's, that's, that's, it's simple. Everybody can make it. And I'm really putting the emphasis on simplicity. It's like, you know, when people ask me, what was the best way to cook this or the best way to cook that? And I'm like, often it's with barely nothing on it. It's fish, olive oil and lemon. You're golden. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so yeah, the book is all about that. It's about exploring flavors that are local, that are easy to get, that everybody can make, and you can still have extraordinary meals. And I got the idea when I was living in the Bahamas for a year, and we didn't have access to a lot of products. The food truck, the food boat, sorry, was coming on Thursday, and by Friday, there was no more veggies left. And the veggies were frozen in the way, so like if tomato has been frozen, doesn't look that great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you But know- even though... I'm sorry. That year, that year I had the best meals I ever had in my life, even though I had access to nothing. So this is what I wanted to, to, to share with people. Like you don't need fancy stuff to make good food. All you need is an herb garden in, your, in the back of your house. Now with technology, you can even have that inside of your house. And, it's, it's, and that's it. That's all you need. Yeah, you know, so like you, you're living this lifestyle. You've put out a book. I saw that recently you were speaking, I think maybe even just last week you were speaking at a women's conference. Um, like, do you ever pinch yourself? Like, do you, do you ever reflect on the fact that like, or do you ever think that this is the trajectory that your life would have taken? I know you made a major change, but is this what you envisioned? Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not because I mean, especially like last week is a really good example. I was talking at a conference in Mexico and it was a beautiful hotel. I was staying in the 
and a villa that was like two floors and I was all there by myself and I was like, I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe that this is, this is what it will like have, have, what it became and it's it's so amazing and I, I I wouldn't change it for anything and it's I have months that still I have months that I think I have $400 in my bank account right now I'm not sure I'm going to be paid next Whoa. but I don't care it doesn't stress me it does stress some people though having financial security me doesn't so yeah it, it stresses uh, is it fair to say that like what you're doing stresses like other people in your life more than it stresses you? Uh, yeah, my parents is one of them. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I mean, of course, if you have kids and stuff like that, like, you know, like, don't run away and make your kids starve. That's not, that's, that's not fair. But if you have no kids, it's time. Like, if you want to change your life, it's time. You're going to be doing it for a lot, a lot of years. If you want change in your life, you're the only one that can do it. If you have a partner... They should support you. They should support your happiness. If they don't want that, change partners. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking. <laughs> no, that's really good advice. Uh, again, I, I'm not putting myself into your category, but I had a major life change. Uh, I mean, I explained this a little bit when I first reached out to you, but um, you know, I was working in a school as an assistant principal, and um, I have sort of the ends before I have the means to the ends. Like, So I haven't monetized something. Um, but I was like, Hey, I, I, I'm going to wake up one day, like similar to what a lot of people say, I'm going to wake up one day, I'm going to be 60 and I'm going to be missing 30 years. Like, I'm not going to remember like the last 30 years. Cause all I did was work. So I was like, okay, I'm going to hit the road and I'm yeah. just, I'm just going to go away. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it makes other people uncomfortable in a weird way, usually about money. Um, but yeah, I'm also fortunate enough to have a partner who's like, hey man, like keep doing this, keep at it, like everything's going to be okay. Um, right, so a lot of people say that they want this life, like it looks fantastic, but most of people would not be able to put out with the sacrifices. You, 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 like it's, it's, they all want the cake, but they don't want, you know, Yeah. they don't want to work for it. It's, yeah, I get to travel to extraordinary destinations and same as you, like we both free, we do whatever we want, but there's a lot of sacrifices that that, that comes behind that. And it's, it's if you're not willing to, to do that, then it's you're not gonna get it. Yeah, one thing too is like um you know, I know you said you're with your partner now, but like a life on the road means that and you said your partner's supportive, but a life on the road means that you're not around your partner as much as like uh, you know, you normally would be in like a typical sort of setup or like probably as much as you'd like to be around them. You don't even get to be. Uh, and that's one weird thing where you, when you're kind of transient like that, uh, you meet people all around the world, uh, you develop friendships, but then you're gone. <laughs> and uh, like it's on to the next place. And it's it's definitely like not quite a life of stability. I don't know if you've... But uh, exactly, it's it's... it's... I mean, relationships are hard. Friendships are hard. It's, you never see your family. You never see your friend. You never see it's the am- amount of hours I spend alone in an airport or in an hotel room are really freaking long. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, you have to decide if it's worth it for you or not. It's, are you happy you're working in your cubicle five days a week? The answer may be yes. Maybe that makes you happy as a person. But if it doesn't make you happy as a person, then 
You know, what's, what, what, what are you willing to sacrifice to get what you want? How often do you get in the water? Uh, these days, not too, not too often, sadly. So it's, it's kind of ironic that I quit my job so I could die for a living, and now because I'm busy, I don't get to die. <laughs> it's good busy, though, no? Is it working on future projects? I'm so happy. It's, yeah. it's, I had an issue in December, and I spent my entire holidays working on my computer, but you work for you. Like you, spend, you don't work for somebody else. You don't work to make somebody else richer. You work for yourself. You work for your future. You work for your future kids. It's, 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 it's a really good feeling, and I don't mind working. I don't mind putting in the work. Can you tease the like? what's coming up or like what you have uh, on the horizon, some future projects and things like that? It's uh, right now. My priority is definitely uh, to get a bathing suit line out as soon as possible, which has been really hard. Um, and I'm, I'm taking the next few weeks to thinking about what my next step is going to be. Okay. Now that my book is out, like, of course, I'm going to do on the side translated to make it so it's, it's, it comes out in English. But I want, I really want to work more with governments and, and um, organizations around the world. And I want to make, um, I want to try to make a difference when it comes to food sourcing. I want people to talk about it. I want people to stop acting like assholes and destroying everything. Yeah. I want, I want to get more active on that. <laughs> Do you have like a, a wish list of locations that you haven't been yet that you want to dive? If I can have what? Do you have like a like a wish list of places that you haven't been, that you haven't dived, that you're like, man, I have to get there? Mm, Japan, it's one of them. And, 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 and... Brazil, I guess. I would love to drive Brazil. Ooh, yeah. That's fun. <laughs> All right, this is a strange question. Um, but just because I've seen you talk about this, like I saw your Forbes video, I saw your TED Talk. Um, what is like sort of your, your relationship, uh, and you don't have to talk about religion or anything, but like your relationship with death? Because I've seen you talk about, you know, uh, your close encounters with a shark and how, yeah, it's, this this lifestyle can be a bit dangerous, but your attitude about it is seemingly like, well, if it happens, it happens. If I'm down, there's nothing, there's nothing you could do about it. If a shark's going to rip your liver out of you, out of your stomach, like, well, you know, that's what's going to happen. Um, like, do, do you, do you dive with that sort of like Zen attitude about it? You have to. It's, I mean, it's, it's way more dangerous to text and drive than it is to go diving with sharks. Yeah, thousands of people are taking get driving every day, and it's it's. We're often scared about either what we don't know, or we have irrational fears of things because it's 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 wild, like like a shark. It's, I see sharks very, very, very often when I dive, and it's they chilled out. They're fine. When they get aggressive, you get out of water and you leave. It, it's it's you have to make peace with that. It's just. It's not, I mean, I could trip and hit my head on the duck toy today right. and I could die. And, but the question is not about like how, how you could die and when you could die. The question is, 
if you can die today, you can die tomorrow. Are you sure you've done and you're doing everything you could to live the best life possible? Uh, so this is how I put my life together. It's I, if I was giving 30 days to live, I wouldn't change a single thing in my life right now. I would take the same decisions and I would not change. I would probably not work on my computer today, but <laughs> it, <laughs> it's just it's, it's about that. You know, it's everybody can die tomorrow of anything. It can be the most stupid thing ever. You can trip on the rock. But then it's, it's how are, are you? Do you think that right now you're living life as if you can, as, as if you could die tomorrow? That's what's important. Yeah, that is a good question for everybody to reflect on. <laughs> uh, I've heard this said before, but like that, you know, humans are not normally a part of like the shark's ecosystem and like therefore part of their diet. Uh, like, is that true? Or do you think that like, yeah, when you're down there, if there's nothing else down there, they'd be interested in eating you? They don't, they, they don't, they very rarely go for us. They go for the fish. Okay. And that's, 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 you, you clearly see what they're interested in. And it's not, it's not us. And most of bites, uh, especially when they occurs in spearfishing, unless you have a very aggressive shark that decides to take a bite, but often he's going to leave after. It's showing you that get on my turf and it's, it's very, I mean, they're wild animals, so sometimes they can do crazy stuff. But if they're not, they're not out there to get you. If you're face to face with a shark, he's gonna get curious. He's gonna sniff you out, I guess, in a way. But he's gonna leave, like most of the time. And if a shark comes towards you, if you start going towards it, he's not gonna like it. He doesn't like that. He's not gonna start chasing you. You look at it, and he's gonna understand that you're also a predator and not to screw up with you. Yeah, I was going to ask if there's a strategy, like, again, like, I don't know if this is like a crazy old wives tale, but like you hear like people say, yeah, you have to punch the shark in the nose or like go for its eye or something. Um, I mean, is there, is there any uh, truth to that? Uh, You can poke it with your spear gun. You just poke it a little bit. Then he's, but it's very rare that you can, a shark is going to come close enough that you're going to have to poke it to make it go away. It's normally they don't even come that near you. You're big for them on the water, especially with my fins that are like two feet long. It's like you take a lot of space and they don't know where you are. So they're not the most aggressive are mostly the younger because they're a little bit more fearless and a little more generous and they're like go around. They're like, all right, I know where you are. <laughs> and they try to show that they're tough. It is, but a big old shark is going to check you out. It's going to be like, eh, you're going to leave. Okay. Often they're not even gonna come close to you. You um, try. When I camera in my hand, if I see a shark, I'm gonna swim as fast as I can to it towards it to go film it. And like seven out of ten times, it's not even gonna let me come close. Maybe more than that. Yeah. They don't like it when you go near them. Yeah, <laughs> I would be frightened. Um, I, I know you have a phone call, so I'll let you go in just like a couple minutes. But uh, I had two last things I wanted to ask you. Just straight out of ignorance, because again, I'm very unfamiliar with this, but like I'm getting interested in this. Um, is there an advantage to free diving versus diving with a tank? Because I think probably to most people, it would seem like, oh yeah, with a tank, you could stay down there longer and you don't have to come up. Like that would seem more advantageous. Uh, is there a reason for one versus the other? Um, there's two reasons. First of all, well, it's, it's more natural to use free diving. 
Second of all, you can go way closer to the fish, you know, making bubbles. So uh. you're, becoming, you're becoming part of the ecosystem down there. Like the fish come and check you out and they don't know and you feel it, it's a beautiful feeling. And so it's, it's, it also helps you when, when you're hunting for them. And then the third reason is when you shoot a fish, especially when you're in sharky areas like in the Gulf of Mexico uh, where, where, where I live, you don't want to have fish hanging out on your belt. You want to put it back on the boat. Mm. And when you skew it, diving, you have to wait, and then you have to come back up. And it's a, if a shark comes and try to eat your fish, you can't just throw it back on the boat. You have to wait and make your your, your steps all the way to the surface. It's not really practical. Okay, that makes sense. If a shark gets come around and he starts getting unhappy and starts swimming in a way that starts getting aggressive, you're going to have time to get out of the water. Okay. Yeah, I guess that that's something I never would have thought of. That even like having like a, a trail of fish around you like is going to be easy pickings for like a a, a predator in the water. <laughs> well, it's, it's, they understand it. Like if your shark is if your fish is at the top of your spear, the shark's gonna try to eat it. If you hug it and you hold it against you, normally the shark is gonna understand it. It's yours. If it's dangling around, then the sharks get a little bit like, uh, that'll be crazy. Okay. But it's like two weeks ago, I was in, in Tampa. I was diving with my friends. We were diving a wreck. And I dove down and I shot a fish and I didn't see. It was a bull shark in every one of my dead angles. And I, I didn't Whoa. see them. Uh, my friends were surfing. They were like, ooh, she's ballsy. No, I didn't <laughs> see them. <laughs> and, and I shoot a fish, all of a sudden it starts shiggling, it starts getting crazy. So I, I try to pull the fish as fast as I can, and then my fish, my, my friend double shoot it to make sure it stops moving because it's not blood that attracts sharks. Yes, when you put your nose into it, they're going to like it, but otherwise it's the vibration of the fish in distress that's attracting sharks. And that's when they can, sell, they can sense from a couple of miles away. Blood, they can't smell it until, until, until they actually smell it like because it's right there. Oh. So my friend double shoot it. With the surface, with four the surface, we make a big circle because the, the bigger you are, the less they like that. And we just like crap swim on the side all the way to the boat. We threw the fish. We all went there. The shark was circling. They were getting a little bit like they were getting getting a little bit angry. So now we knew that the goddess was like the sharks are unhappy. It's time to move. Well, bull sharks are the ones that can like go up rivers, right? Yeah. They did. They're the shitty ones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. The last question I had for you is that I watched your TEDx talk um, and you talked about how there was a point in your life when you would have like panic attacks and you had anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and I think so. so I, I had that when I was in, in like college and in grad school. And, and unlike you, I sort of self-medicated for it. Um, and was sort of just pulled out of it by like then jumping into a career where I like constantly had to talk to people. Uh, but it's interesting to me because I wouldn't think that about you because you have like uh, a public spotlight at this point. Like, look, you're talking on a podcast right now. There's videos of you. There's pictures of you. You're talking all the time. Uh, how was that? Like, how did you overcome that? Because I do think that that's something that um, a lot of people sort of suffer in silence with. It's... Um I mean, anxiety has been a part of my life since I was a kid. So I was always super anxious and I'm, I'm, I'm a naturally anxious person. 
And then, of course, when I was 18, I started getting very severe panic attack. It was the one, it was uh, agoraphobia. Whoa, really? So it's like I couldn't be in bars, I couldn't be in movies, I couldn't be in subways, I couldn't be anywhere where there was like people. It was it was not happening for me. And that took, and then when it prescribed me medication, my mom was vehemently against it. And she was like, I don't want you to be addicted to pills for the rest of your life. And so I was like, okay, well, what, what do you want me to do? And we just worked on it. We worked on it by, I went to the bar at the corner of my house. Hmm. And then I went to the grocery store. And I stayed for five minutes. Then I stayed for 10. Then I stayed for 15. Then I stayed for half an hour. And the next thing I knew, I was, I was at a bar for two hours. And I was fine. And then I knew I could leave anytime I want. My friends were aware of what was going on. And it was, it was about working on my mind. It was about pushing myself and to make the irrational fear go away. And I started by literally not being able to move from my house. Like I was scared of leaving my house. Wow. But then you can train your mind to stop being scared of pretty much anything. And it took me a while. And spearfishing was the same thing. My first time spearfishing, I was petrified of water. I was feeling so bad. I was shaking. It was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Why am I here? Like, I don't like this. I'm in freaking 300 feet of water. This is not fun. It's yeah. terrible. And then again, then I was like, oh, I shot a fish. Okay, this part was fun. I liked it. But the barbecue part was kind of fun, too. So I was like, okay, get a, get like get over the, the, the part that you don't like. And the more you do something uncomfortable, the more, the more it becomes comfortable. I'm scared to death of heights. Really? If I go skydiving 200 times, I'll be fine. Yeah, that's and true. And I feel comfortable with it. It's anything. Anything that you keep doing that uh. you're scared of. And then you're going to realize that it's, and I, I talk about, on my, um, about that on my TikTok too, is like, you imagine that, oh no, if I do that, I'm going to panic. Oh no, if I do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, Terrible. It's like, I can't do that. I'm too scared. I'm too weak. I'm too this. I'm too that. No. When you put yourself outside of your comfort zone, you're going to realize how freaking amazing you are as a person. I was scared of my own shadow growing up. Hmm. Literally. So it's, it's, and now like I couldn't sleep in the dark. It was really bad. And you push yourself and you can, you can, you can do anything. And you're going to discover that you have a strength in you that you never knew existed before. I think that's a good point to end on. Um, <laughs> so if people want to find you, if there are French speakers who want to find the book, uh, where can people go and find out about you? Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram, Valentine Thomas. And if you have questions about, you want to quit your job, you're not sure how, you hesitate, uh, gladly respond to your message and all of that and we can talk it through. Can you get the book on Amazon? I I I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, I don't know. <laughs> people should. What what I always do with authors is people should go to my stories. I'll do like a book or two giveaway. So people should go to my stories, and I'll just have it wherever it ships from shipped to someone uh, deserving. I don't know how I'll do it this time, but check out my stories over the next couple of days. Um, Valentine, thank you so much. This was awesome. Well, it was, it was my pleasure to be there. And I hope that, uh, yeah, somebody has questions, again, don't hesitate. Contact me and we'll go through whatever you want to go through. Awesome. 
All right, folks, that is a wrap on episode number 114 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Many, 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 many thanks to Valentine Thomas. She's very busy and did not have to give her time to join the podcast, but did because she's badass and super cool. So thank you, Valentine. If you are a brand new listener, thank you for checking me out. Um, check out the Instagram. You can also email me at thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. I have stickers and stuff like that that I give away. Um, if you join the Patreon, you'll get like postcards from around the world and stickers and things like that. Um, yeah, so if you are somebody who listens to every single episode, if you are a faithful voyager, thank you to you as well. Um, yeah, I love doing this, folks. It's a lot of fun. So um, again, check out the show notes for this episode, the Patreon, and the links for Valentine's stuff. And folks, please, as always, take care of each other. Until next time, it's been real. <laughs>